Are you looking for some great Christmas gifts for the little ones in your life this year? Consider My Pillow. Hey, you guys, right now they have the children's Bible story pillowcase along with the Go Anywhere My Pillow 50% off right now for the listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast. This unique children's pillowcase combines beautiful Bible story pictures on the front and the read aloud story on the back so that you can enjoy reading to your little ones over and over again. Choose from your favorite or collect them all. The creation story, Daniel and the lion's den, Jonah and the whale, Noah's Ark, and the story of Jesus. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Don't forget to use the promo code Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, and enjoy up to 50% off the children's Bible story pillowcase. Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. This is Off the Bench Day's Mailbox Monday. Today, I'll be answering your questions. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so thankful for all of you who are listening. Thank you for sending your questions in. Today, I'm going to take some time and address some questions from listeners. Before I do that, I want to remind you that you can have your question answered here at the show by just going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. We're in the middle of studying the topic of peace at Mom Strong International. The study is called Peace Be Still. We're studying the shalom of God. What does it mean to have perfect peace, to be a heart and a soul that's at rest? If this is a topic that's interesting to you, I know you guys are going to be blessed to follow me at Mom Strong International. You can get a membership there and uh, you can be part of my teaching on Tuesdays here at the studio. All right. So, you guys, oh my goodness. Lots of really great questions coming into the show and your Christmas cards are coming in. So thank you for sending those. You guys, we want to hear from you. And you can write to me, Heidi St. John, Care Firmly Planted Family, 11100, Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. We would love to hear from you. If you are encouraged by the ministry here and you want to help us bring homeschool resource centers to people all across the United States, you can make a tax deductible gift. This is a great time of year to do that to Firmly Planted Family at the same address. All right, I'm going to jump right into your questions. And uh, the first one comes from an anonymous listener in Idaho. She says, I'm wondering how you feel about praying before meals. Is this something the Bible asks us to do? Sometimes it can feel awkward when you're out with someone or if they're at your house or you're at their house. Is this something the Bible tells us to do? All right, so I answered this question a couple of years ago and actually we had we ended up having a really great conversation. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it's commanded. So I would never say this is something that if you don't do it, you're sinning. But what we can do is look and see what was modeled for us in Scripture. And in Matthew chapter 14, verses 19 to 21, there are two instances where Jesus miraculously fed multitudes of people you know, with a few loaves and some fishes. You guys have heard the story and he gave thanks. Let's look at it. Matthew 14, 19 through 21. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Let's look at Matthew 15. Verses 34 to 36, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples. 
Then you've got another story about uh, Jesus appearing to the two men on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. And he stops for just a moment to eat with them in Luke 24, verse 30. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. So what we're seeing in, in Jesus' life is before he takes partakes of anything to eat, he stops and gives thanks to the Lord for he gives thanks to God for what he's provided for him. The apostle Paul also did this in Acts verse 20 in Acts 27 in verse 35. It says, and when he had said these things, this is the apostle Paul. He took the bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. So this is Paul on a ship with a whole bunch of other people when a hurricane had battered their ship, and now they now they haven't eaten for like 14 days. And Paul gets ready to eat with them, and he exhorts them to eat something in order to survive. But he doesn't fail to give thanks to God. And so to me, this is an issue of thankfulness. It's a, it's a respect. It's an honoring of God. and It's a recognition that everything that we have comes from him. Everything that we have belongs to him. And it's an opportunity for us to acknowledge that the food that we eat comes from God. And it's a way to say thank you. And so while I would never say this is a commandment, thus saith the Lord, this is what you have to do. I mean, sometimes we would find ourselves praying in the middle of a meal, sometimes after. More often than not, we're going to bow our heads and we're going we're gonna to thank the Lord before we eat, no matter where we are, whether it's in a restaurant or in our home. It's a way for us to say, thank you, God. We acknowledge that this comes from you. All right. Uh, now we've got the question of yoga. Because uh, as I talked to you guys about Christmas last week, and I said that some of the roots of Christmas, the way that it's um, celebrated, are rooted in paganism, then Misty in New Jersey wrote in and said, Heidi, if celebrating Christmas is okay because it brings joy and somewhere along the line had some conversion from pagan to Christianity, how's yoga any different? You totally persuaded me in the yoga series podcast to change my mind, and I don't understand how Christmas would be different if it truly began as a pagan ritual. All right, so I'm going to take you back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. As I've said many times on the show here, yoga is a religion. You cannot separate the spirituality of yoga and what yoga's aim is for you as a human being, as a person. And that is why I think it is inherently dangerous. The word yoga means union. So the goal is to unite your temporary self with the Hindu concept of God. So this God's not a literal being. He's an impersonal spiritual substance that is one with nature and one with the cosmos. This view, as we've talked about before on the show, is called pantheism. And you can't separate yoga from this. Yoga is in of itself a practice, a religious practice. And because everything is God, the yoga philosophy makes no distinction between man and God. This is pantheism. They believe that God is in everything. So the question then becomes, uh, is it all right? You know, can Christians isolate them themselves, right? Can, can, I, can I isolate the physical practice of yoga, which literally is a worship. These are worship poses. They are meant to unite me with the practice of yoga, with the Hindu, through the practice of yoga, rather, to the Hindu God. Yoga originated with a blatantly anti-Christian philosophy. And here's the important part. That philosophy 
has not changed. It teaches the practicers to focus on themselves rather than the one true God. It encourages the people that participate in yoga to seek answers to life's questions within their own consciousness instead of in the word of God. And it leaves you open to deception. First Peter 5, 8, he said, be sober-minded, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. What is it that Christmas and the celebration of Christmas for the Christian, what is it that it invites us to do? Does it invite us to become one with a God that is not real? Does it invite us into pantheism? I would argue no. Christmas is an opportunity, and this is what I was saying Last week when I talked about it, Christmas is an opportunity for us to actually focus on God, to celebrate his birth. The The issue to me is not whether or not that's the actual birth date of Jesus, although I made a pretty good case for kind of how they came up with it, I believe, last week. The issue is, does what we're doing honor God? When we sing about his birth, when we sing Christmas carols, when we open gifts, when we focus on the beautiful gift that God gave us in sending his only son, I believe it brings glory and honor to God. This, uh, it's not blatantly anti-Christian. It doesn't draw us away from God. Now, if your focus is just on, uh, you know, Santa Claus and all the things, well, then obviously that's not pleasing to the Lord either. But to me, what you're bringing up are apples and oranges. Yoga is the, is a, is a, It's a practice of the Hindu religion. Its sole purpose, and and I talked about the poses and everything else, the sole purpose of yoga is not to to bring you into relationship with God, but rather to deceive you and have your focus be on yourself and how you can actually be God because God's in everything. It is so dangerous. I've said this many, many times. I don't believe that Christians should be practicing yoga at all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, a question comes from an anonymous listener in Florida, and she's looking for encouragement regarding infertility. She said, Heidi, I love the truth you bring to us daily and admire your passion for families. My husband and I have been married for three years now. We want to start a family of our own, but it hasn't been as we planned. Getting pregnant has been a challenge for us. I've searched your podcast for encouragement in this area, but I haven't found it. What say you? We are sad and prayerful for a baby and even a large family one day, but our hope is in Jesus alone. So a couple things that come to my mind. The first thing is that you need to know that you're not being punished. So we have had uh, members of our family struggle with infertility. Women that I have counseled over the years struggle with infertility. Uh, Your inability to conceive has nothing to do with you being punished for anything. God is sovereign. And Romans 11 chapters, uh, Romans chapter 11, rather verses 33 through 36. Let me read it to you. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him 
and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Romans 8, 28 says that we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. And so God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And uh, and that plan may or may not include biological children. I have always been, and I think I've referred you guys to uh, gotquestions.org many times. But this one I really, I love because they remind us that the Bible talks about infertility in several places. In Genesis 11, chapter 30, God promised uh, Abraham a son, but then Sarah was too old. She couldn't have a baby until she bore Isaac at the age of 90. Not that I'm recommending that. Isaac, Rebecca's husband, prayed fervently and God answered, which resulted in the births of Jacob and Esau. In Genesis 30, Rachel prayed and at long last, God, the Bible says that God opened her womb and she bore two sons, Benjamin and Joseph. And I love that the Bible points out that God is the one who opens the womb. God opens the womb. God closes the womb. We're going to talk about birth control here in just a minute. Uh, Manoah's wife, who was infertile for a time, gave birth to Samson. That story is in Judges 13. And Elizabeth, in her old age, in Luke chapter 7, gave birth to John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ. And so I want you to, a couple things, understand that this is not a punishment. Understand that God is sovereign, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And then I'm going to encourage you, and I'm sure you're already doing this, go get some help. Try to figure out, is this a physical problem? You know, what is what is uh, going on? Because oftentimes we're able to find these answers by going through uh, going through our physician, going through a functional medicine doctor or someone who specializes in infertility. A really, really dear friend of mine struggled with infertility for 10 years. And she and her husband, I'll never forget as long as I live, because they prayed so earnestly for a baby. They wanted a baby more than anything in the whole world. And after 10 years of marriage and them just finally giving up, God opened her womb and she was able to to have children. And I don't remember how many, I mean, I've lost count. Last count I heard, I read was five, but uh, God can do it. And so trust God. And then also believe that God's heart toward you is good. His heart toward your family is good, toward your husband is good. God's heart toward you is good. So hang in there and keep me posted on, uh, on, on how uh, your journey is going. All right, we've got a couple of YouTube comments on Christmas and paganism. Jenna Red said, thanks for the history lesson. You're welcome. Uh, we got some really great comments coming in on the Respect for Marriage Act, which, as I told you, is really just the Permission to Persecute Christians Act. Uh, an Apple podcast review, Being a Light for God in California, said, I found this podcast after a friend recommended Heidi and have been an avid listener through COVID. Look forward to every podcast. Thank you. Uh, another great review, Ginger with Computer Access. My goodness, Ginger. She said, I love your information first, journalistic style with sprinklings of rational opinions. You go, girl. Well, thank you, gender. You go, girl, also. Um, another Apple podcast review came in from K9509. Said, Heidi Speaks Truth. Such an encouraging, challenging, and biblically-based podcast. Thank you for sharing your gifts. I love listening. Well, thank you. I love that you guys are listening. If you can leave us a five-star review over at iTunes. We might just read that here at the show. And we appreciate you guys sharing this podcast, visiting our sponsors and uh, becoming, you can become a sponsor of the show yourself simply by going to anchor.fm. You can become a show sponsor. All right, next question. 
comes from an anonymous listener in Maryland. Can you comment on the abortive nature of the birth control pill? It seems that the church and Christians are silent on this issue, and I fear many young wives are ignorant of the fact that a baby can be conceived while taking the pill, but is prohibited from implanting in the womb because the chemicals in the pill prevent implantation. So I've done a fair amount of research on this, and most of the women that, first of all, it's important for you guys to know where I'm coming from. Never would I ever advise a woman to take an abortifacent drug of any kind. Uh, I believe in conception, which prevents the fertilization uh, of an egg. But there are there are new lower dose combination uh, progestin only pills, which seem to be the, the more I'm actually I don't love the pill for a whole bunch of reasons, but I also don't want to wade into water that is uh, unscriptural and unspiritual. So the new lower dose combination has basically three modes of action. I think this is the one that women most commonly take. The first of these three modes is an action. I'm just going to read this off of Human Life International, and I will link back to it in the show notes for you. When a woman ingests birth control pills, they hijack her reproductive system. Her body then is hormonally tricked into acting as if it were continuously pregnant. During those months, ovulation is suppressed and the mode of action of the birth control bill is contraceptive, not abortifacent in nature. The second mode of action of the birth control pill is also contraceptive in nature. The pills cause a change in the consistency and acidity of the cervical mucus, making it more difficult for sperm to penetrate and live in the cervix. The third mode of action of the birth control pill is abortifacent. The pills cause changes in the endometrium, which is what you were referring to, the lining of the uterus, making implantation more difficult. Examinations show that the abortifacent birth control pill transforms the endometrius from uh, endometrium from a welcoming lush forest into a barren, sterile desert. In a cycle where ovulation was not prevented and fertilization takes place, the pill can cause what's called a silent abortion. There are now more than 200 brands and varieties of birth control pills on the market. All of them sometimes prevent implantation of a developing human being. The low-dose pills work in essentially the same manner as a high-dose pill. However, a much higher percentage of ovulation occurs in women who use low-dose pills due to their lower estrogen dose. And this means that all of the newer oral, quote, contraceptive pills can act as an abortifacent at least part of the time. So I think it's it's important that you understand that that this can happen, right? And no one told us this when we were younger, right? And the church is very, very silent on it. The church does not like to, actually, the church is silent almost everything that it needs to be talking about right now, including uh, this, we should be having open and honest conversations. I know for sure that an IUD prevents the implantation of a fertilized egg into the uterine wall. And like I told my girls, I have five daughters. I don't like that the pill messes with your natural cycle. What happens when you want to have babies? I have talked to so many women over the years who are sorry that they took the pill their whole lives or they stayed on the pill or whatever, because when they went to, to have children, their cycles were all messed up. They had to. Uh, they really had to work at getting their body back into a natural hormonal rhythm. There are lots of ways to prevent pregnancy that don't involve ingesting chemicals and potentially um, preventing a fertilized egg from implanting in the uterine wall. All right, you guys, that's all I have time for today. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for sending your questions into me. And you can send us your cards and your letters. We'd love to hear from you. This is the most 
important time of the year for the Resource Center and for the nonprofit organization as we do a final year-end push for funding to help us in the new year. And you can reach out to us and you can just send us a Christmas card too. And you can write to me, Heidi St. John, Care Firmly Planted Family, 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Don't forget to find me at Mom Strong International and sign up for the Bible study there. They release on the first Monday of every month. And we cannot wait to grow in grace with you in the new year. You guys, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you here again at the intersection of faith.